0: and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. So we you got your Bibles, Acts chapter one, and and we're gonna we'll pick it up in verse in verse four. We we managed to get through the first three verses last Sunday, sort of. Uh, we also touched on verse eight, but uh, we'll we'll dive in in a moment. For for whatever reason, <laughs> at, at at thirteen years old. Uh, Many, you know, I had many of, of my friends. Many of my buddies were were older uh, than I was. Some three and four years older. And, and, and somewhere in my in my sheltered uh, homeschool private school upbringing, mom mom and dad uh, thought that like that it was fine that most of my friends were three and four years older. It's like the ultimate oversight. I don't know. Um, but I remember uh, at, at 13, I, my, my best friend, uh, Josh Embry, turned 16. And at 16, uh, Josh got uh, a little white Carmangia. Do y'all know what a Gia is? Uh, I think we've got a picture of a Gia In all of its glory, this is a white Carmengia, okay? In <laughs> and, and my world up to that point had been uh, had been bicycles uh you you can put it down <laughs> we, we may bring it back up in a minute uh, my my world up to that point I mean keep in mind i 'm thirteen had had been bicycles and and using my legs the old fashioned way to walk, uh, but all of a sudden while while everyone else in seventh grade was cruising around on their ten speeds, I had a new mode of transportation. I had a new vehicle of choice. My wife is shaking her head at me. <laughs> up to that point, uh, let's just say my my mobility had been limited, and now I had a, a whole new world opened up to me. Okay, Lydia, I'm going to have you put it up one more time. So So, I mean, what 13-year-old wouldn't want to cruise around in a, I don't know what year that is, but some of my car buffs, but uh, a, a, a sporty white Carmen Mangia. For the record, just gonna say, it, no thirteen-year-old should ever be like cruising around, riding shotgun in this all day. Okay, uh, just not a good, not a good idea for the, the the seventh grader to be cruising around in the white sports car. But there you have it. Um, okay, you can take it down again. <laughs> Church the. The spirit of God uh, is is far better than a guia Amen <laughs> And let me tell you, we don't just have limited mobility uh, without him, we have zero mobility. Amen. We have zero mobility without the spirit of God and in the evidence of acts. Points to this truth: whether whether we want to call this the the acts of the apostles, whether we want to call this the the acts of the early church, uh, there is no action without the Holy Spirit. Amen. Like there there is there's no there's no kingdom building, kingdom oriented action without the Holy Spirit. Or let me put it like this: we might be spinning our our wheels, but we're not going anywhere until the Spirit drives the mission. One commentator says it like this. He says he's not just a means to an end, but he's also, the Spirit's also a major part of the blessings of salvation. Only, only the Spirit of God can change hearts. Only the Spirit of God can bring salvation. Only the Spirit of God can bring revival and, and make kingdom impact. And and one of the the scariest verses, passages in in, in Revelation, is you see all these these warnings and these charges to the church in Revelation. It comes in Revelation 3.1 to the church at Sardis. And And it just says this, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, you have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. And then the very next part of verse two says, wake up, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die for I've not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Verse one says you have the reputation, you have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Restoration family, what what what's crazy is to think about what what if the what if the American church had the reputation of being alive? Big services, big buildings, big, big events, excellent programs, amazing music, uh, uh, all the right look, all the right talk. But what if we were doing everything in our own flesh? What if we were doing everything in our own strength? And what if it all looked the same whether the Spirit of God was in it or not? Let me ask you, could, could we... Could we tell the difference? Could Let me ask you, could you tell the difference? In Acts alone, we find 33 references to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is is not an afterthought in God's church. He is front and center, driving the the mission, driving the, the witness, driving the discipleship of the church. And make no mistake, without his presence, the church becomes uh, this hollow shell of the missional force that it was called to be. Let me say that again, without the presence, without the leading, the prompting, the guiding, the empowering of the spirit of God, the church is going to become this hollow shell of the missional force that we were created, we were designed and called to be. Without his presence, hear me. We might also start ascribing roles to the Spirit that are completely out of line with God's word. And all the more reason to let Acts speak for itself and reveal the connection between the Spirit and the mission. So if you got your if you got your Bibles, if you got your bulletins, I should say, I want you to uh, on the inside cover. We're going to look at we're going to look at three things this morning. Um, in regard to the, 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 the role, the work of the Holy Spirit, um, the essential role of the Spirit of God in God's mission to the church. The first thing that I want to look at is the abiding presence of the Spirit of God. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, the abiding presence. All right, look at your other neighbor, a little more chipper and happy, and say, the abiding presence. Amen. That was much better. I'm going to I'm going to jump forward and then I'm going to I'm going to come back to verses 4 and 5 but in verses 6 and 7 Pastor, pastor Matt Prine has already read the, the passage, but in verse 6 and 7, the, the disciples, they clearly they had, they had a, a, a very physical kingdom in view. They, these guys were, were solely focused on the restoration of Israel's kind of political kingdom over the nations. And, and, and those prophecies go back to Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Amos. And, and, and Jesus, Jesus, in fact... Jesus Himself had told them, and so uh, their their question uh, was not you know completely crazy because Jesus had told him in Matthew nineteen twenty eight. Now whether they understood it rightly, Jesus said, "Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on His glorious throne, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel." Matthew nineteen twenty eight. So these guys approached Jesus and are like, "Are we? Is this is this going down?" Now? Now, and notice Jesus, whether they were off base or not, Jesus doesn't reprimand them or correct them for all their faulty kingdom theology. He, he simply redirects their focus away from being worried about the timeline, and he gets them focused on their role as witnesses to Christ crucified and raised. Amen? That's that's the that's the focus, and, and uh, I'll I'll never forget. In, in 1988, I was on my way uh, to a soccer tournament, and, and and so we're cruising to a soccer tournament, and and there's there's a guy holding a sign on the on the road that said Jesus is coming back in 1988. Jesus is coming back in 1988. And 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 I learned there there was actually a guy named Edward Edgar C Wizenant who had written a book uh, entitled "88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Occur in 1988." Any any, any of our uh, like our our seasoned souls remember this this uh, classic novel? Uh, no, okay. 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Occur in 1988. It's it's I looked it up. It's on Amazon. It has two and a half stars, which I'm like, that means for the zero star, some cat gave him five. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, I don't know if it's his mom, Um, but he even had it nailed down to September 11th to 13th. (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, Guess who got some funny looks in 1989? Uh, But Good news, he wrote a follow-up book called The Final Shout, <laughs> Rapture Report 1989. He's like, I was off by a year. Nobody, <laughs> you were, you're just off. Um, this was the point of our emphasis last week, uh, church family. G- gospel, gospel testimony of Christ crucified and raised trumps kingdom timelines every time. Let me, let me just say that again. Gospel testimony, witness proclamation of Jesus Christ crucified for sin and raised victorious trumps kingdom timelines every time, every time. And so verse I'm going to go back. Verse four, Jesus had ordered the apostles to stay in Jerusalem to wait for the Holy Spirit. And, and, And again, it was linked back to Luke 24, 47 through 49. Um, This command is it's also again, it's linked to all these Old Testament prophecies. I'll I'll spit a few of them out. Isaiah 32 15. Ezekiel 11 19 and 20 Ezekiel 36 25 through through 27. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. So, so this this promise of the coming Spirit of God, the 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 Israel, they were, they were looking forward to this. It had been prophesied, it had been foretold. So the apostles along with with, uh, with with others, they were gonna wait ten days in the upper room for the Spirit of God to fall on them. Furthermore, we, we know from verse 5 that the, this coming baptism in the Spirit was going to be different than the baptism of John the Baptist. We, we know that. John's, John the Baptist, his baptism was one from repentance of sin, uh, one of Physical water used to symbolically wash away sin. John's baptism, we talked about this in our missional community group a little bit this week. John's baptism was one of preparation for the coming of Jesus. But his baptism was powerless to affect change in people's hearts. Couldn't change hearts. But the the baptism of the Spirit was going to be different. The baptism of the Spirit was going to be different. And so the, the question arises, don't, don't we already see the activity in, in the presence of the Holy Spirit in the, in the Old Testament? Right. So so what's what's different? Right. We, we see back in Genesis one, we, we see the spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters. We see the spirit of God uh, empowering uh, judges in the Old Testament coming, uh, falling on Saul uh, for a little bit, falling on David, uh, falling on Elijah and Elisha and others. And so the question is, what is different here? Clearly, the Spirit is about to do something new, something never done before. And and so two things in regard to the promise, looking back to the Old Testament prophets. One is that the Spirit would give people a new heart. The Spirit would give people a new heart. And what's significant about that is, listen, this is something that the law could never do. The law could reveal sin, but it couldn't change the sinner's heart. Let me just say that again. The, the law could show you, hey, here's your sin, but it couldn't change the sinner's heart. When the Spirit of God came, that, that's what the Spirit could do, could change hearts. The second thing is the Spirit would abide and dwell in man permanently. No more, no more coming, no more going. His presence would abide forever. I want you to keep your place in Acts. Look at Ephesians 1 13 and 14. It says this, Ephesians 1, 13-14. In Him you also, check this out, when you heard the word of truth, <clears throat> the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Here we see the, the forever abiding indwelling of the Spirit of God in us. And look at the passage. When does He come? He comes at the moment of gospel belief. He comes at the moment of gospel belief, and the seal of our inheritance points to this truth. And that, 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 that picture in, in the Greek, the, the seal is significant. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not rocking my Aggie ring this morning, but these kings had these big signet rings that they would seal letters with. And here's the deal. When the king sealed that letter, it got to its destination. Our heads were going to roll. That letter was going to get to its destination. The the king's seal guaranteed it. Not only does the Spirit remain and persevere for those who are in Christ, He continues to indwell them even in heaven throughout all eternity. You don't have to turn there, but check this out. John 14, 16 and 17. I will ask the Father, He will give you another Helper, to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you, and He will be in you. The Spirit indwells and abides forever. I'll never, I'll never forget a conversation I had with a youth pastor years, years ago. There was a youth pastor from another denomination that I was talking to, and, and he just said, you know, in, in, we were talking about in regard to salvation, this guy said, I, I, I believe that you can ask the Holy Spirit to, you can ask the Holy Spirit to come, and, and you, can, you can ask Him to leave. You can ask Him to go. So, so no, no security of salvation, no foundation for discipleship. And, and, and I remember thinking, like, how, how depressing like, that puts my salvation back on me, not on God. That, that means that the seal of King God can be broken by me. It means that my destination is not dependent uh, upon the faithfulness of God, but it's dependent upon my faithfulness. Church, like that is a terrifying prospect maybe maybe you're a rock star and you got it you got it together i sure don't it's terrifying and if that's the case we have no hope because all of us are sinful broken people apart from christ and apart from the abiding presence of his spirit in us I, I hope that my inheritance is rooted in the love of God and His faithfulness and not based on the whims of like my fickle heart and, and, and my up and down faith struggles. I mean, that, that wouldn't be good news. That would be, that'd be terrible news. Church, I, I believe that this, the, the Scripture points to the abiding presence of the Spirit of God for those who are in Christ and, and, and hear me, what a comfort, amen? What a comfort. After all, all of us to some degree struggle with these insecurities. All of us. I don't care who you are. These insecurities of, of being alone, being abandoned, being, being rejected. And to that, God says you're not alone. You're not alone. I, I'm not just going to be by you. I'm not just going to be near you or around you. Like I'm going to be in you. I'm going to dwell in you. Deuteronomy says this, be strong, six. be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Praise God that God, that He will not forsake us. John 10, 27-30 says this, My sheep hear My voice. I know them. They follow Me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of My hand. My Father who has given them to Me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Praise God. That's accomplished through the abiding presence of the Spirit of God. Second thing this morning is not only do we see the abiding presence, we see the abundant power. See what I did there with the A and the P? All right. So so I want you to look at your neighbor and say, abundant power. (laughs) Now look at your other neighbor and say, abundant power. Now look at verse 8. And it it says this. You will receive power when? I want you to say, when? When? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The, The power source for the mission, the abundant power source for the mission is the Spirit of God. Jesus' followers were never called to testify in their own strength. Christian, you need to understand without the empowering presence of the Spirit of God in you, you can do nothing for God. John 6.63 reveals that it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The fact that the apostles, check this out, the fact that the apostles were waiting for 10 days has huge implications for us. Church family, think about it. These guys, the the apostles were eyewitnesses. They were eyewitnesses to the glory of Jesus. They, they They were eyewitnesses to His death, His life, His death, and His resurrection. The apostles had been with Jesus face-to-face for three years. They'd been equipped and commissioned to minister, to heal, to teach, to preach, to serve. And if the apostles didn't dare launch out in their own strength to start ministering and sharing with others, how much more are we reliant upon the enabling power and presence of the Spirit of God? How much more? I came across this story this week. I, I, I uh, and I, I thought, man, th- that's it. Well, I'm gonna. I'll get to that in a minute. Jumping ahead. So excited. <laughs> Two summers ago, Steph and I went to Colorado, and we we drove in our Noah's Ark on wheels, and uh, the Nissan NV, and. We cruised up to Colorado and, and, and hung out. We had some members who, who had a place who graciously loaned it for us for a week so that we could rest and recoup and vacation as a fam. But think about this. As you drive across the country, <laughs> especially that direction west, you, 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 you drive across roads that, that weave their way through mountains. But those, those roads didn't magically move the mountain away. <laughs> we take for granted that in many cases, it took the explosive power of something like dynamite to blaze that trail and build the roads for us to cross. Interestingly enough, the, the Greek word for power is this word dunamis. It's where we get our, our word dynamite from. Church, we don't get gospel roads to the world without the dynamite of the Spirit of God. It was only in the power of the Spirit that the gospel exploded outward from Jerusalem. See, Acts 1:8, it's not it, it's not just a command, but it, it becomes this sort of blueprint for, for what is to come. Though the, the disciples, they they may have only envisioned Reaching Jews in Jerusalem or or maybe maybe it like the 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 it seems like their biggest vision was maybe reaching Jews who were dispersed throughout throughout the globe, but the call and plan of God encompassed so much more, so much more god God was fulfilling his covenant promise to Abraham in genesis twelve three that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through Abram and through his seed through Jesus so Though the movement and the mission would start in Jerusalem, by, by the end of Acts, the gospel has spread to the cultural epicenter of, of Rome. And it was positioned to go throughout the world. And in, in con, this concept of witness, listen church family, it's reiterated throughout the book of Acts like 39 times. Thirty nine times we see this this word witness, but nowhere, nowhere, hear me, is the witness of the church divorced from the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Nowhere. And so the application is is this. Think, Think about it. The reason The witness of of so many churches doesn't even impact their local Jerusalem, which for us is Bryan College Station. The reason our gospel witness falls flat, the reason we give in to to fear and and comfort and, and convenience is because we forsake the power source of our witness. We've forsaken the power source of our witness. We're out here with our we're out here with our pickaxes, like trying to chip away at a mountain, and Scripture says we have all the dynamite we need for the job, but we're forsaking Him. Here's all of us. I think could probably answer yes, but do you feel do you feel inadequate? <laughs> You are. (laughs) We all are. That's why we need the Spirit of God. Like, it's okay to say that. Like, I'm inadequate. I feel like there's this heretical deal in the Christian community. uh, Like, we're telling each other how awesome we are. If we're all awesome, we don't need Jesus. Do you feel inadequate? You are. We all are. Do you feel like you don't know enough Bible I'm talking about in regard to your witness. Um, that's, that, listen, that's not the issue. Even if you are a Bible scholar, you can't save anybody. Do you, do you wrestle with, with what to say? Well, here's the start. Talk more about Jesus and less about you. <laughs> it's a good start. <clears throat> Tony Morita says we, we see two marks of the Spirit's work in the disciples' Boldness in the magnification of Jesus. Throughout Acts, we, we see these references to, to, to spirit-empowered boldness. Think about Peter. <laughs> Peter goes from like quaking in his sandals when confronted by a preteen girl. <laughs> right? Deny, deny, deny. And then weeks weeks later, this dude is a gospel trailblazer, just like like laying his life down on the line, over and over and over again for the sake of the gospel. See the logic, the logic of the world. See, it was the spirit of God. The logic of the world says we can we can reach more people with more technology, with more training, with more strategies and more gimmicks, but without more spirit empowered witness. We're just fooling ourselves. The world, listen, the world will get a hold of the gospel when the Spirit of God gets a hold of his church. Say that again. The world will get a hold of the gospel when the Spirit of God gets a hold of his church. saw this story of of the the, the famed theologian and, and, and preacher, George Whitefield, evangelist George Whitefield, was was getting uh, the people of of Edinburgh out of their beds at 5 a.m. in the morning to hear his preaching. We haven't started the 5 a.m. service yet. And a man on his way to the church met David Hume the Scottish philosopher and skeptic, and surprised at seeing Hume on his way to Hear Whitefield, the man said, I thought you did not believe the gospel. And Hume replied, I do not, but he does. (laughs) Church, that's abundant power. That's abundant power. That's when the world takes note because the Spirit of God the Spirit of God is emboldening us and going before us and laying the groundwork. Third thing this morning is this. We've, we've looked at the abiding presence. We've looked at the abundant power. And we and we, we got to look at the always purpose. The always, always, always purpose of the Spirit of God. Would you look at your neighbor and say, the always purpose. Anything from the Spirit... Anything is for the sake of the mission. Amen? I don't know if y'all heard me. (laughs) Anything from the Spirit is for the sake of the mission. Amen? The gifts, the manifestations, the acts, it's all for the sake of the gospel witness. It is to proclaim Christ crucified and raised. Even... Hear me, even when the Spirit of God is, is refining you and, and growing the character of Christ in you and leading you, it is so that your life might point others to Jesus. It's so that your life could be a witness. I, I, I laugh, and, and we've done spiritual gifts, gifts tests as well, but sometimes I laugh at, at, like, at these at spiritual gift tests because we got, we, people be like making stuff up, right? Well, according to my spiritual gift tests, I, I have the gift of spontaneous worship, you know? You're like, that's not a thing. It's not, <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> I have the gift of quoting Jesus' calling. That's definitely not a thing, okay? Okay. Um, I have, I have the, the gift of, uh, of, of tongues um, on Wednesdays from 6 to 7 at small group, right? Um, that's, not, that's definitely not a thing. Listen, um, church, hear me on this. The gifts are good, but bi- biblically, we don't talk gifts first. Follow me. We, we talk mission first. So there's no point. So so if you have the the gifts were always for the mission and for a call. So so there's no point in telling people that you have the gifts of prophecy and tongues and teaching and hospitality or discernment if you are not on mission. There's no point. If you're you're not on mission, biblically, you you don't have gifts. You have a rift because you've separated the power of God from the purpose of God. And if the purpose of God, if the mission of of telling others about Jesus and making disciples, if that mission is not being accomplished, if that purpose is not being accomplished, whatever power or performance is on display, we need to check ourselves because it's probably not of God. And the Holy Spirit, hear me, hear my heart on this. The the Holy Spirit is, is not our personal genie in a bottle he's not a force and he's not to be trifled with he is god he is god he's he's not for laughing revivals he's not for emotionalism he's not for christless worship or or for whatever we want him to be based on our own whims he glorifies and reveals jesus He convicts us of sin. He convicts us of the righteousness of God and the coming judgment. He guides us to understand and to conform our lives to Scripture. He empowers us for the mission of being witnesses of Jesus. The Spirit glorifies The Son of God, always. The Spirit bears witness to the Son of God, to Jesus, always. The Spirit stirs our affections for Jesus and stirs our affections for others so that we can move toward them and and so that, that, that we can introduce them to Jesus so that they can be in right relationship with God through Christ. That's what the Spirit does. That's what the Spirit does. Now I'll, I'll, I'll close I'll close with this and then we're done. A, a few A few weeks ago on on Mission Sunday, uh, we, we had, I don't know, I think we had 15 or 20 um, people who stood sensing this a, a call to either short-term or, or, or long-term missions overseas. And we we've been, uh, Matt, Ulrich, and Prime, we, we've been meeting with, with some of these and praying through their next steps, getting resources in their hands, looking at opportunities for, for trips, which which excites me. But I thought about does the world does the world need more missionaries? Absolutely. Does the world need more youth ministers and more worship leaders and more more church planters and more more pastors? Absolutely. But you know what the world needs? The world needs Christian teachers and accountants and engineers and artists and small business owners and, and, and lawyers and nurses and everything else in between. The world needs to see every, every, the world needs to see every follower of Jesus relying on the Spirit of God. Filled with the Spirit of God and just focused, laser focused on the mission. Focused on connecting others to to the best news imaginable. that, That Jesus saves us from the brokenness and from the sin around us and in us. Only, it's only in Jesus that we can have life. But church, remember, only in the Spirit do we have the power for the task. Let's pray.